This podcast was recorded pre-lockdown. I wanted to share these episodes with you as they are still great conversations with great people about great times that will definitely come back again. Hi, and welcome to Series 2 of the Mark McSee Supersonic Food Marketing Podcast. Every week we will talk to the great, the good and the legendary from the worlds of food, drink, marketing and business to help give you the advice that will really help your brand boom. A huge thanks to our headline sponsors, the award-winning Engage Interactive, who've been helping hospitality businesses like yours prepare for a mobile and digital-first world since 2007. From Supersonic Inc., this is the Mark McSee Supersonic Marketing Podcast. So today, I've just met the absolute whirlwind of Whitney White Myris, from Exler Halal Guys, Coffee App and Orange Buffalo. Whitney absolutely rocked in like a tornado with bright yellow Doc Martens on, with the Exler branding obviously. He also had a Tottenham Hotspur manager's jacket on, which puzzled me slightly, being American. And we just had it off straight away. He had so much to say, it could have been two or three hours because there's so much to get your teeth into. There's all of the things which is his day job of franchising businesses and really sort of celebrating the positivity of franchising. Then also running restaurants, starting restaurants, taking someone else's brand and making it great in another locale. Tech stuff for the coffee app where he's actually bringing together and launching the Deliveroo for coffee, which could be really exciting. And then we didn't know, but he hit upon my favourite, I think, chicken brand out there, Orange Buffalo, which used to be in the Joker pub in Brighton. And I used to go very often when I was going to the cinema or we were on some dad nights out. He's advising them as well. So we reminisce about that amazing Viper sauce and also Woof Woof and the original sauce, which doesn't use Franks and it's their own. So being an American, he was very cynical about that. So I hope you enjoy it. It was a great chat. I think I've made a friend for life and we're going to go and get some amazing buffalo wings soon. So it gives me the most slutty (laughs) pleasure ever uh, to introduce my next guest who is a brand new friend and his name is your full Sunday name is Whitney White Myris correct is that so right that's that's the full do you go by the full name all the time no I don't I don't go by the full name so it's um White is my mother's maiden name Uh uh-huh a good Scottish woman she is where's she from I don't know where she is from specifically ah. in Scotland, but I do know that I did get a card at one point that said uh, a picture of her, her parents, uh-huh. and it says, born in Scotland, died in Buffalo, New York. Oh. So, I got to say, not to knock the Brits, but being <laughs> Scottish is actually kind of cool. It gives it you a little a bit of an edge. And, and I, 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 yeah, well, the drinking and the violence. Um, I think, yeah, I, I don't, yeah, I like it. I, I like it. You know, I think... Sporting wise, I maybe would rather be Brazilian or something. Sure, you know? um, but yeah, I thought yeah, pretty pretty proud of it. Yeah, all but, good. So most of the time, I just simply go by Whitney because there are not too many Whitneys that are male. Um, yeah. as I say, I'm 
not a beautiful black singer uh, with a great voice. Um, <laughs> we, who's we're going to test famous, the voice later. With, with the most famous, uh, <laughs> the most famous Whitney out there. But um, and then just the white, I continue to put out there because in honor of my mother. Yeah, that's good. That's a good thing. And so a bit of a journey to get to actually be here. So we we're just discussing before you moved to UK, which was last year. Yep. You're almost a year, right? Almost a year. Good for you. Nice. And you've survived and stayed warm. So far. <laughs> you've been all right. Um, you did arrive with a Tottenham jacket on, so we had a little discussion about that. But yeah, you know, send in your own comments about that. Um, but then going back, you know, where did it all start? You know, where in the States were you? So or- I'm originally from Syracuse, New York, upstate uh-huh. New York. Uh, so they've got the, a good college team, right? Yeah, they're a very yeah, good college yeah, team. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah, very good in certainly basketball. Basketball, yeah. um, lesser known sport in this part of the world. Lacrosse is they're one of the top ten to be top ten mm-hmm. um, in the collegiate space, and then an okay football team. Mm-hmm. But grew up there. It's the snowiest city in the United States, above two hundred and fifty thousand people. Wow! So um, six, seven meters of snow a year. If you want to just kind of. I'd, I'd lived overseas for so long, I don't really think in feet anymore. But um, moved from there to down, went to school outside of Washington, D.C., and then moved from lived in D.C. for 15 years. Um, that's where I started getting involved in this crazy thing called franchising and this crazy okay. thing called F&B or restaurants. Worked with this guy, Dan Rowe, who has a company called Francemart. Mm-hmm. Um, we are most famous for, um, we're the company that actually were the first franchisee of Five Guys, um, Dan's company. This he had a separate other company that his operations company, mm-hmm. and we helped Five Guys grow throughout the U.S. through franchising. Mm-hmm. And uh, how many? So we, within eighteen months, we sold off the development rights for. It was just under a thousand restaurants across the U.S. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the fastest franchise sales environment, business development environment I've ever been involved in. Um, And so that's how I got into this thing called franchising and and this this whole entire, this business model of franchising. And then also also just the restaurant business in general. And for people that don't know, how does franchising work? You know, what's the one-on-one on franchising? the, the, The very... It's a very simple business model. Um, it is a very common business model. Car industry franchises around the world. Hotel industry franchises around the world. Mm-hmm. It is actually one of the most... I think it is potentially the largest business model standard where what you do is you go in and you will... A brand or a concept or whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. Um, in this case, we'll use the example five guys. <clears throat> will... Um, decide that they want to get into franchising. And in that process, someone goes in and you buy the franchise rights for a territory or for one location. Mm-hmm. Uh, you pay a fee up front, and that fee normally covers legal expenses and training initially to help you get started that, that offset the expenses of the franchisor. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you pay an ongoing royalty. And the the concept and the goal and the power of franchising, franchising is about multiples. Yeah. The more you have, the more you scale, um, the better you're going to be off, right? Yeah. Um, and um, and and I mean that both from the franchisee, the person who bought the rights mm-hmm. for the territory, and also the franchisor. So um, 
and we'll get to it. I'm a franchisee of mm-hmm. of of two brands. Um, one is the Halal Guys, a mm-hmm. famous food truck out of New York, and uh, and then also uh, the licensee, slightly different but same legal constraint as a yeah. franchise of Egg Slut, uh, a brand out of L.A. And yeah. so. Uh, I'm a shareholder in those two companies that are operating here in the UK. I've got two other business partners. So through a journey, went from Washington, D.C., moved to to Germany for for, uh, 10 years, set up France Smart Europe. So worked with my buddy Dan Rowe, Mm -hmm. set up the company France Smart Europe, um, and and helped grow a couple brands here. Um, Predominantly did a lot of growth in the Middle East, but one of them was Freshy, which is oh, I know. <clears throat> out of Ireland. They're doing really well in Ireland. Yeah. Um, they've um, they tried to open here, didn't they? They did. Tr- they did open here two locations. This was after Whitney, so <laughs> I wasn't involved in that deal, um, and I don't. So I don't know the specifics. Uh-huh. Um, but they've they opened since, in Holborn, no? They did open yeah, in Holborn, yeah, yeah. but they've since closed down. Yeah. Um, I, I met one of the, I met the brand or one of the guys or sure. yeah. Uh, I can't remember his name, but it was just, it was interesting. I was working on some other projects around that time, and some of the team from that went into Freshy to, to help them open. Sure. Yeah, that, that was a, felt like a strong brand. I think the hard thing is with, and Robin Rowland said it yesterday in, in the Griff conference uh, out in Amsterdam, uh, you know, when he was talking about healthy is good, but healthy can be quite hard to scale. It, it so Matthew Corin, the founder of Freshy, mm. fantastic, you know, recognized entrepreneur, young guy, much younger than I am, annoyingly young. Yeah, if, right now I'm, I'm, yeah, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. Um, uh, great brand, really mm. strong branding, strong concept. Was that out um, of Canada? It's Canadian, out yeah, of Toronto. That's yeah. right. Yeah, yeah. And he's, they've done a really good job. I think, I think Matthew executes. Top notch. Uh, I think um, one of the challenges um, that you face is so Sweet Greens is another really strong brand out of the U.S. Yeah, it's right, a unicorn, and, isn't it? Yeah, that is a unicorn, right? That is yeah. a unicorn. Um, they uh, and and Matthew is really positioned Freshy to be that. Mm-hmm. Um, the the issue comes is when you come into a market, particularly like the U.K., particularly like the London market where you get the pods and the eat and the pret mm. that already have a significant platform as I'm staring at one of those brands that I just mentioned. Do you mm-hmm. have a bag over there? <laughs> yeah. um, it, it it was hard to break into. And mm. and the other problem is being a restaurateur in this, this is world-class. There is no other city. There are very few other cities. New York is one where you come in and you open up a restaurant. Mm. This is bare-knuckle fighting. This yeah. is world-class, top of the level. I didn't realize that until I had a mentor of mine um, about six months ago told me this. And I was like, no wonder I'm exhausted. Yeah, yeah. No wonder I'm frustrated. No wonder I'm, your, your, your lows are lower than you're ever going to be. And, but the other side of that, your highs are epic, yeah. right? And it's, it's, it's exciting. It's, in, it's just intense. Um, it's not for the faint of heart. No. And particularly then you get into the real estate market. Oh, it's when you're developing units, when you're developing brands in, in, in London particularly, mm-hmm. you got to get the real estate right. you got to get the real estate right anywhere. Yeah. But getting the real estate right is there are a lot more dials and a lot more levers and a lot more issues and a lot more things you have to take into consideration yeah, yeah. that can break the best of you. Yeah. Uh, and so um, 
I'm disappointed to see that Freshie is not here anymore. Yeah, sure. Um, my wife is really disappointed. She, we, so we lived in Dubai, mm-hmm. moved from Germany to Dubai, Dubai to London to finish off the kind of the yeah, round the world right. trip. Um, my wife loved Freshie, loves Freshie. And when I told her they have some here, she got all excited and she yeah. said, okay, um, I'm going to be excited about living in a place where the sun rarely shines. Um, the weather forecasts here are, are brilliant, by the way. It's going to rain sometime, but you're going to might get some sun, but it also might be cold. And if you wait a minute, it's just going to change. Well, there's a famous Crowded House song, uh, which is Four Seasons in One Day, and that's I've always, it's always in my head because there are some days you'd see everything. Right. You know? And that's not even being on the coast. I mean, that's like being in London or being in Milton Keynes or, yeah, you know, absolutely. whatever. So with the, 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 the franchisee side of things and the franchisor, you know, both of them, you know, with territories and things, is there a classic way to split territories or do people split territories completely differently across the world? Um, people play it different. It goes brand by brand, mm-hmm. right? So um, Henry McGovern, somebody who is, uh, he started out and built one of the actually largest franchisee restaurant businesses, mm-hmm. Amrest, out of oh, yeah, yeah. out of um, out of Poland. Uh-huh. Um, he got into it because he originally bought a building and Wotswav, and um, and he was getting into the real estate market, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden realized he had this building, and he needed to fill it with something. Right. And um, the legacy goes: I don't know how much of this is true. Um, uh, was that? Uh, it was either P- yeah, Pizza Hut came up to him and said, "Yeah, you can have a Pizza Hut franchise. Give us a dollar, open the restaurant." Um, and so now he that he built Amrest. Yeah. With he and his business partners up to being one of the largest, I think the largest Pizza Hut franchisee. Mm. He's he's no longer involved. I think they, um, I think he got out of it. I, I don't know all the details. I haven't caught up with Henry in a while. But yeah. um, I'm sure I've seen him speak actually. Yeah, yeah. I think <clears throat> he's he was, he was a young very guy. Engaging. Yeah, very engaging. Yeah. And what what do you think the positives and the negatives are of franchising? Because it's a weird thing in the UK as you're starting to see probably a lot of brands like Pret would proudly say, you know, we're a managed estate, we're not franchised. But I don't think that's the full picture. You know, I think the perception of franchising can be tough, but if you get it right, it can be awesome. So so it's, again, back to the power of multiples. Yeah. Um, one of the biggest knocks that franchising has gotten, it's a good brand, it's a good product, is Subway. Mm-hmm. A lot of people got into the business, bought a subway, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden bought themselves a job. Not that that was their intent. <clears throat> their intent was to buy themselves an investment. Mm-hmm. And their intent, every single subway franchisee is the same. They want to go in, they want to open up their first shop, they open up second, up, open up their third, they've got grand visions. Yeah. And that's not uncommon across any brand, across anybody who wants to get into this business, again, because the whole power of the brand is that mul- that multiple. Yeah. Managing multiple locations and having staff and entrusting staff and empowering staff and training staff, the the franchise business, the restaurant business is no different than any other business. It involves people. It would all be a great, awesome business yeah. if people weren't involved. <laughs> if you didn't have people who had to, I don't like this person or that person because that this that and the other thing. I you know my stub my toe, um, <laughs> you know, the whole whole bunch of stuff, right? Yeah. Um, and so what happens? I've not necessarily scientifically notice this, right? Kind of, once you get past that three locations with Subway, mm-hmm. you tend to be, you tend to get people who are 
naturally successful, um, wealthy, if that is a goal, right? And I mean that wealth from a financial perspective. Yeah. Um, not necessarily a balance of life, um, but that, those type of franchisees tend to be the people that are that are pulling down six, seven figures, right, yeah, yeah. annually. Um, and so the the problem is that that perception has always been, I'm buying myself a job, mm-hmm. right, because of Subway. The reality is um, the benefits of a franchise, the same reason why people buy a franchise mm-hmm. is because they, they see a system. Yeah. It's a system that works. It's a system that has support to it. They launch the system mm-hmm. and 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 they're like, I'm going to serve it just like they do for the halal guys, just like yeah. they do in New York City, just like we do at the food cart. Mm-hmm. And then reality sets in. And the reality is, is the chickens are different here in the UK than they are in the States, right? Yeah. That how they do it at the food cart is different than how they do it at any other location. Yeah. And, um, and, and, you start to get into the real nuances and then you also start into to get into what's the nuance of the restaurant industry itself yeah. in that locale. Yeah. So opening up at 53rd and 6th in New York City is much different than opening up at Leicester Square yeah. as we, we have a location here. Mm-hmm. Um, then you get into rates, rent. You get into a competitive real estate market. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then you get into running your business. And that, for some, it becomes overwhelming. And then mm-hmm. people look to do, to do how, do I, how do I increase my revenue? How do I, how do I increase my, um, decrease my costs? Yeah. They start to take shortcuts. They start to not listen to the franchisor. Then all of a sudden becomes this contentious relationship yeah. where... <clears throat> they know better. They know better. You, it's everybody knows better. Yeah, yeah. And in, in, in the end, you you wind up with a business that is that's just a back and forth, and you get yeah. that negative perception. And unfortunately, um, somebody you've had on the show, Gary Vanderchuk, mm-hmm. huge advocate. He his concept of being grateful, mm-hmm. right? Thank you for giving me this opportunity. Thank you for that. This concept of of always looking at the positive and yeah. not looking at and not looking at what somebody else has. Mm-hmm. Um, that's where I think if you maintain that attitude, yeah. and you maintain that this is my pile of stuff, yeah. not looking across, you know, not the grass is always green on the other side, um, and you focus on your pile of stuff, I think that, and then you start to appreciate the system, right? Mm-hmm. That that franchisors, if they're doing it right, they're more concerned about your success mm-hmm. than their own. Right. Because their own, it naturally happens, right? Yep. If, if, if you're successful, they're successful. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are, I think there are a lot of franchisors out there that, that do adopt that and do a great job at that. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same point in time, they have a bunch of franchisees that, as I say, have drunk the Kool-Aid, bought into the system 100%. Yeah. It's when you get franchisees who are, I want to offer sushi, but you're not a sushi restaurant, yeah, right? Yeah. I want to offer hot dogs or I, you know it's just stuff that just isn't with with brand i want to put chips on the menu yeah. right and it it it's <laughs> it's that that's where and i i do get that people want to put their um their signature right mm. this was my idea yeah, right yeah. um and this is a lot and but at the same point in time a lot of great ideas come from the franchisee community yep. and if a franchisor can do it right where they can say look no, don't offer sushi. Or if you're going to offer sushi, work with us yeah. to figure out how to offer it. Yeah. Right. And because um, there's some fantastic ideas that have come out of the franchisee community. And for mm-hmm. small franchisors, which to be honest, 
that's who I worked with. Small mm. franchisors, not no big brands. Yeah. Um, if you put me into the McDonald's ecosystem or even the Pizza Hut ecosystem, I would have no idea. Yeah. I, I could understand the P and L's. I could understand the, 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 the rotas. I could understand how to do all the, the financial side of it, mm -hmm. but that whole entire, the, the system, yeah. which is really develops over time, um, is really, that's what people are buying. They're buying that branding. They're buying that system. Yeah. <clears throat> but well, it's quite a weird one, I think, because as you see, people are buying the system for what it is, but then it's such an interesting sort of slight conflict of interest in that probably people who are franchisees are entrepreneurial in their own right. right. And that's the rub. You know, right. that that's the tough part where, as you say, there's a, maybe it's an ego thing or a status thing or a, you know, self-actualization thing or whatever it is. But actually, if they just actually executed brilliantly, it, you'd probably be better off, you know? It's, um, if you're in the business of making money, mm -hmm. You have to set your ego aside. Yeah. Yeah. That's, That's good advice. Good, good mantra. Gary, if he's not saying that directly, he's saying that indirectly. Yeah. yeah. Um, and there are a lot of people, Tony Robbins says the same thing, right? Yeah. You can go to all these goofy gurus, right? As soon as that ego gets involved... That's where you run into issues, right? Yeah. It is a delicate balance. Mm -hmm. It is a absolutely a marriage. It's a marriage through a contract. Yeah. You immediately um, sometimes have buyer's remorse because all of a sudden they say, okay, this is how you do it. And you're like, well, I want to inflect some of my... Experience, wisdom, right. vocal, whatever. <laughs> right. And so you, you go, well, wait, they're not accepting that. Mm. From Supersonic Inc., this is the Mark McSee Supersonic Marketing Podcast. The Mark McSee Supersonic Food Marketing Podcast is also brought to you by BDO, the trusted accountancy and advisory firm. As the finance experts in hospitality, BDO have the experience and the insight to provide solid foundations for your business's future growth. BDO really are the go-to team to help your hospitality business succeed. If you're in need of a dedicated transactional team bolstered with corporate finance, audit and tax services, talk to BDO, who've got the right expertise, knowledge and experience to drive your restaurant or bars business throughout their full life cycle. As thought leaders across the sector, BDO offers commercial and technical updates specifically tailored to restaurants and bars, including their annual hospitality reports. BDO also have a well-established network in the industry that spans across finance directors, suppliers and advisors, and they are always willing to use this to their clients and their contacts' advantage. Get in touch today at bdo.co.uk to chat about how they can help take your hospitality business to the top. And please say that I sent you. It's quite funny. I've did, you know, just thinking about a couple of franchisee businesses we'd worked with, and you know, when I was back at Spectacular, and and some of the conversations were like, "Yeah, we want to do this. Don't worry, we don't need to tell them. You know, out of sight, out of mind. Kind right. of, we're just going to go ahead and do it anyway." And it's just like, "What the what? You know, you can't do." It. And I think a lot of the time as well, it's sometimes because the franchise or brand wasn't in shape to be franchised nor was it built on solid ground itself so sure. the brand itself isn't actually that locked down but if you're Burger King 
that's a very different thing, you know, because right. it is lockdown. <laughs> so, you know, sometimes that's where it, you know, when it's subjective and it could fall over in a stiff breeze, it's like, that's why people can chip away at it. But if it's so strong... Well, the, 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 other, instance, the other issue is, is that... So, with the Halal guys, we've got about... I'm going to estimate. So, there's about 100 locations. Uh-huh. I would say about 40 franchisees. The franchisee in Houston or the franchisee in Southern California um, or the franchisee in Indonesia mm-hmm. um, or somebody up in Toronto <clears throat> or and then back in the headquarters in New York, that franchisor, when you say, I want to offer a, a can of cu- cans instead of bottles, mm-hmm. they have to think about the entire ramifications through the entire system. Yeah. And that's not always appreciated because you're this little local market and you've got your sandbox in Houston, yeah. in, in London, in wherever you're worrying about. And you're like, cans would make more sense because I make more money. It's going to – and you always – right, we're, again, talking about smart business people. You always have this formula of or of how that – why that's going to make you more successful yep. or why that's going to play, play more or why that's going to promote – something else right your fountain drinks are going to more people are going to buy your fountain drinks because the bottle you know you can get into the whole different all the knobs you have to turn yeah um but that franchisor has to think how does this impact the brand and that concept of brand Mm -hmm. madonna a brand sting a brand (laughs) nike a brand burger king mcdonald's the halal guys. It's a brand. Yep. And that brand has to say something. And it, it auto, inherently automatically says something. Mm-hmm. But you have to make sure that that's aligned. And, there, and, and there's an overprotection that comes with franchisors yep. where they overprotect it. Um, <clears throat> mainly because potentially the management isn't experienced enough. Mm-hmm. The management... It, because it's really... It, it's a different headspace mm-hmm. to be thinking about things on my brand... Yeah. Right. Again, another, I keep pitching him, Gary, Gary talks about branding yourself, right? And all of a sudden being kind of in that mindscape. So, um, that's also one of the challenges. It's interesting, you know, hearing you talk about it, you know, it is about that consistency and, you know, there's no sort of room for you being a special case or, but then in saying that, when you do look at, say, McDonald's globally, you know, the, the menu list is different from a maybe country level. Sure. You know, and that's sort of fine. But just because you're on the coast in Devon down here doesn't mean to say you can do a fish pie if you're a burger restaurant or whatever it is. Right. So I, I think that consistency thing, and also we're talking about gurus and all that, but, you know, in a Buddhist sense, that detachment from you having to have your say, you know, it's it's almost you've got to work with what you've got. And just make make that make that better, but you know there's some stuff in the news at the moment. You know, Domino's are having a pretty torrid time. It looks like uh, in the UK certainly um, with franchisees franchisor relationship that's looking increasingly tough. But then you've got other success stories out there, like Tim Hortons has came over here from Canada and seems to be going great guns, you know, um, and doing a really good job. And I guess the added pressure as well when you go into a new country or or territory is also you might not have that brand recognition you're kind of a start up with big backing it's a weird scenario it it is a strange dynamic Mm. and to talk about 
you know, an, another brand, right? Egg Slut, uh-huh. uh, our other uh, concept that we work with. Egg Slut came when we launched in the UK, mm-hmm. the Egg Slut main Instagram page. Instagram being the current driver for social media from a... Stunning. From, your, your Instagram stuff stunning. Is yeah. It had 160,000 followers. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> in, in LA. In LA. Yeah. At that time, we were um, location number seven to open for the brand. UK was? Yeah. Only number seven. God, it feels like a much bigger brand than that. So, wow. so th- there are four locations in, in LA. Uh-huh. Um, and then there is, um, so Grand Central Market, the original mm-hmm. brick and mortar location. Prior to that, there was a truck that Alvin and, and Jeff, uh, the two founders. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they opened up in uh, Cosmopolitan Hotel. And then they jumped to Lebanon. And then Kuwait. And then come back to the UK. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now Japan. I, I was running at the time... I was running the social media for the entire for the for our brand for Eggslut UK. Wow! And I found something really interesting. If you're a tastemaker, if you want to be on kind of the inside and kind of look at what's going on and and really kind of capture the moment, you're mm-hmm. you're on Instagram. Um, all of the parents and grandparents of those people are on Facebook, and all they do is complain. Mm-hmm. And then Twitter is just simply. <clears throat> Is is horrendous place to be. <laughs> how, how can how how can we just completely destroy each other? Yeah. And so it was, you know, the name. People were like, "I'm never going to this restaurant yeah, because yeah. of the name." The name's freaking brilliant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is. Why? Because it resonates. Because of the mental click that you have that you thought it was a much bigger brand. Yeah. And so that, that, again, that's, again, branding, power to branding. And so that, that just, it's this weird dynamic that you can create mm-hmm. um, with branding. And well, it's, it's quite taboo <clears throat> a lot of the time with brands, you know, if you are taboo and a little bit left of center and, and you provoke a reaction, you know, in, in the right way, hopefully, then, you know, that's the right thing to do. And I mean, where did the name come from? I mean, how did that... So, so if you talk to Alvin... Mm-hmm. Culinary, classically trained chef, worked at some of the top restaurants in the world on the West Coast, uh, California. He's no longer day to day operationally involved with the brand, but when he started it with his with his cousin Jeff, he said, "Let's call it Egg Slut." And the concept is, and there's some, there's lots of people argue with me about this. Mm-hmm. There's some of it. Anthony Bourdain back a number of years ago on one of his um, shows was in Chicago. And somebody put a fried egg on top of it. And he immediately said, oh, I'm a total egg slut. The concept being, just add an egg to it, it makes it better. And so, um, and it's a a chef-y term, but it's a chef-y term in terms of kind of like a... um, Well, it's like I'm a sucker for eggs. Right. Yeah, yeah. And so that's where it comes from. It doesn't have any... It's not designed to have any sexual connotations. Mm -hmm. In fact, we, we strive away from that. Yeah. Um, we, uh, on our Instagram or any feed, when everybody makes it, we've got some fantastic, wonderful posts that'll make you laugh and would really get a lot of traction, but there's a strong sexual undertone to it and we don't repost it. Why? Because that's not our brand, right? It's, 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 the brand is about people who are just fanatics about eggs and executing and executing a product that's about that. So, uh, it's it's so iconic though. 
you know, and you kind of see a lot of Instagram pages and it is just product, 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 and you're like, oh, <coughs> boring. But I never get tired of seeing your shot, like, genuinely. And, you know, I think between you and Bleaker Burger, you are the most recognisable, like, food. You know, you know it's, you don't have to even say it's from Egg Slut. You don't have to... I know it's you. Every single time, same with Bleaker, and that's that, that's a that's a credit to Jeff Bales. Jeff, to the the other founder, he is a uh, he actually was working as a graphic designer at a skateboard mm. company when when Alvin said to him back in 2012, "I'm tired of this stuff. Let's go." And this is when food trucks were a big. Mm-hmm. Let's go start a food truck. Let's call it Egg Slut. Yeah, and let's go and and Alvin, who is a, a creative genius. Yeah. He would put together stuff, and he put together the Fairfax, which is a what she calls a staff meal. And if you're to Google Alvin Fairfax on YouTube, you're going to see him. He often talks about how it helps you cure cure the hangover. Yep. As I say, it, it cures the pains of the st- of the of the weary um, hospitality worker, right? Yep. <clears throat> um, that and some Red Bull, yeah, pretty much. Is the, pretty is much. the way. <laughs> um, so it, it, Jeff really cultivated, really focused on nurturing and cultivating that brand mm-hmm. um, and cultivating that look. Um, and I think it's to his credit. It's 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 also to Alvin's credit because he, cre- he created beautiful, iconic looking food. Yeah. And is there you know top sellers? Top favorites, Fairfax. Fairfax is it? The Fairfax. So in our case, it's a brioche bun. We had, we worked with Bread Ahead. God bless them. A mm-hmm. hundred versions to get that brioche bun. Wow. So top quality brioche bun. Um, then you immediately put on sriracha mayo, give it a little spice. And then we have the beautiful, absolutely amazing Clarence Corp Buford brown eggs. French scramble. So um, put in some chives, put in a little salt. And then on top of that, and then we take a, a piece of cheddar cheese, we put it on the grill just long enough so it gets hot enough so it loses its structure yeah. so we can fold it over like a blanket mm-hmm. under those beautiful scrambled eggs. Then we top on some caramelized onions and we seal it off with that cap of that uh, brioche bun. Yeah. And that is our, that is the number one seller. Number, one. number two seller in our restaurants tend to be orange juice. We have a fresh, beautiful fresh oh. squeezed orange juice. Um What's so special? Why are people doing that? It's just because most people are buying a Fairfax and orange ah. juice. And what about <laughs> your favorites? My, my, so it's interesting. My favorite has always been the Fairfax. Yeah. Um, first time I ever tried it. So my business partner, um, our chairman of our company, he said, go to LA. I was flying to New York with the Halal guys, and then I flew to LA for a few days. Um, I, I said, if I'm in LA, I'm going to go pop over to... to um, Vegas to see the other egg slut. At mm-hmm. that point, there was only the four locations or five locations. Um, <clears throat> I went in, took the red the red eye from the from the east coast to the west coast. Mm-hmm. Got up, got on a plane, immediately flew to Vegas that morning. Landed at Vegas at seven o'clock. Showed up at the Cosmopolitan Hotel for a twenty minute wait on a Tuesday. <laughs> at seven a.m. At seven a.m. The line <laughs> had the Fairfax. Best sandwich in my entire life. Yeah, couldn't believe it. Next day, I meet with Jeff and Andy, um, the the, uh, the owners of Eggslut, mm-hmm. and we're at Grand Central Market. Jeff says, I'll get you a Fairfax, and he gets me a Fairfax with avocado. No, that was the best sandwich I ever had oh, in my okay. entire life. So it keeps going. So then, fast forward a few months, we're at a training at Venice Beach, and I would always get a Fairfax with bacon on the side. Yep. I did that for about 10 days. 
And then one day I walk in and I figured it's the same people, same people I've seen every single day for the past 10 days. Mm -hmm. I say, can, can I get a Fairfax with bacon? They plug it in Fairfax with bacon. All of a sudden my Fairfax shows up and has bacon in it. Okay. And I went, well, I wanted it done on the side. And they're like, oh, well, we'll make another one. Like, no, I'll eat it. We don't want to waste food. That. <laughs> was I was ordering the Fairfax wrong the entire time. <laughs> I should have gotten a Fairfax with bacon. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely epic. That's my, that's my personal favorite. The other one that is my daughter's favorite is the slut, uh-huh. which is a, we get a, a jar. We pipe in pureed potato. We cool that down, then put in a Clarence Court Beaufort Brown egg on top of that. We stick it in a sous vide bath at 60 degrees for an hour, pull it out, put some fresh chopped chives, some gray sea salt, and serve that with some freshly toasted baguettes, slices. Absolutely wonderful oh. rest. Wonderful. So, yeah, I, I could keep I could keep raving about the, that, those both those brands. Well, <clears throat> let's let's stay on excellent for a bit. So, you do the deal with them. And you say, I want to take this over. What territory? So we have the, so the, to to his, this was my uh, my primary business partner, our, our largest majority shareholder, mm-hmm. <clears throat> Mohammed. He, he found egg slut. And I'm like, egg slut? Yeah. I'm, not a, I'm not an egg guy. <laughs> yeah. At least I wasn't. And then my other business partner, Jan, um, was like, these are a bunch of egg sandwiches, sriracha mayo. That was 2008, right? And was very kind of... We were very skeptical, mm-hmm. but we believe in Muhammad's vision, and, and he, he definitely had one. So um, he initially put the deal together, mm-hmm. uh, and the deal, um, I, I come in and sign off on some of the contractual language type stuff um, for it, um, and it was, wasn't, he just wanted to make sure everything worked. Yeah. Um, and we have the rights for all of the UK mm-hmm. to open up. At a minimum, ten locations. Great. But we certainly have the we have the rights to open up another twenty. Wow. Or our total of twenty. Um, again, it's looking for real estate. Um, the Portobello Road location. I initially didn't believe in it. Again, I was when we when Jan and Mohammed first brought that up. I I just don't I didn't I don't know London that well. I didn't know London that well. Yeah. Um, and so uh, I was a little skeptical. I thought this is a What were you thinking like Oxford Circus on the bust kind of yeah, thing? Yeah, I was well I was thinking Shoreditch. Oh, okay. Oh yeah, that would work. Yeah. I was thinking I was thinking as close to Tottenham Court Road metro station as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, tube station, sorry, metro. Yeah, I was going to say. Com- coming out, coming out. <laughs> my my other my other mass transit systems are coming out. Um, the um, uh, my theory was being a tube station, be getting that flow right um, and preferably the flow out, mm-hmm. right? So not the flow in. So mm-hmm. we want the flow out to be a maximum in the morning. Again, this was my thinking. Um, Portobello Road's been brilliant for us. Mm-hmm. Really has. We fit into the, we, we really fit in well to that whole entire the scene. tapestry of the landscape. It's a great area. And, right. and actually, I sort of found... Can't think of them off the top of my head, but a lot of people have went out that way when they're trying, like, their first one or right. two. It's quite a classic metropolitan audience in that you've got quite a mix of people. You've got, obviously, you've got your Soho house around the corner, and but you've got the markets, and then you've got slightly different areas, you know, a bit of a right. culture clash. So it's, it's it's yeah, a bit of a... It is an interesting area to pick, but very, very wealthy we've, we've, as well. We've had... We've had superstars, mm-hmm. movie stars, music stars, 
Royal. Can you see? Can you see? Can you see? Um, Zach Braff, the guy from yeah, Scrubs, Zach Braff. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Um, uh, was one that immediately comes off the top of my head. I'd have to. Look I'm, at the I'm, NDA. Un, un, unfortunately, yeah, yeah. I'm not. I'm not involved in the day to day like I used to be. <laughs> um, but we've we've had a lot of um, celebrities, members of other royal families um, that have come in town, and someone you know somebody recognizes somebody. I'll, yeah. I'll never forget when we were doing our training with our staff right before there was an opening. There's somebody who walked in. I can't remember who it was, yeah, yeah. but and this girl goes ah, and I was like, we're a brand that started in LA yeah. that has a huge following of, um, uh, of celebrities mm-hmm. from that market. And they come to London a lot and they're going to hear that we're, they're going to know that we're here. Yeah, yeah. So when someone like that shows up, I do appreciate the shock value of seeing a superstar, someone who's <laughs> very good looking or whatever. You need to treat them like yeah, you're treating normal, like a normal person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I said, because that's, what's going to get people back. Yeah. And then the other side of it is if you treat them that way, if you do, I told, and, and looking at it in a bigger picture, I said, don't ask for an, an, uh, uh, autographs or anything like that or a selfie. Yeah. But the reality is, is when you do treat anybody who's famous, yeah. it's a difficult life because everybody wants to talk to you. Everybody wants to be next to you. Everybody wants to, right? But if you, treat them, if, you, if you yeah. just treat them like a normal human being yeah. and you say, hey, would you mind a selfie? I've even heard stories of some that have said, hey, do you mind if we take a selfie together? And like, that's the celebrity talking to the person who treated him just like a normal human nice. being, right? Because there's that trade-off. Yeah. Oh, I think it's playing the long game and you potentially might even get closer to them by just being non-plussed. And also, weirdly, a lot of people who are stars possibly started out in hospitality as well. So there's this nice... Yeah kind of kinship and, 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 you know, they were part of it at one point. I always thought it'd be a great podcast, you know, interviewing celebrities that used to wait tables. Oh, that'd you know, be awesome. I'd be so good. And then they could tell you about the journey. And Well, I think uh, Catherine Ryan, the, the, the comedian, she always talks about she worked at Hooters. Right. So she talks about that all the time. I think she did it in Toronto, maybe. Um, but yeah, she talks about that a lot. And yeah, there's, there's loads of people started out there. But that, I think that would be kind of cool. Anyway, we'll, we'll do that at some point, I'm sure. <laughs> Hi, I'm Alex from Engage, and thanks for tuning in to the Supersonic Marketing Podcast. Each week, we'll be bringing you a great tip to supercharge your own digital marketing, and this week's comes from Kate, our Senior Marketing Manager. It doesn't pay to only share news about your business or products. Only your keenest fans will follow you solely for brand news. You have to consider what content your target demographics will find valuable and interesting, and then find ways to build that into your own plans. At Engage, we like to split our content into three categories, inform, drive and engage drive posts focus on product inform posts share updates on new developments and engage posts are purely to attract attention and spark conversation by keeping a good balance of post types you can ensure your content is valued by social media algorithms and maintains visibility by delivering your audience plenty of engaging content that's interesting and entertaining to them you also give yourself the opportunity to market your products to them we plan our content month by month in calendars with color codes for each post type This helps us to keep a good balance. You could also consider getting different objectives for each. For example, purchases for drive posts, landing page traffic for informed posts, and comments for engaged posts. If you need any help with your own content strategy, then head over to engageinteractive.co.uk forward slash podcast, where you can see how we've helped some of the UK's most ambitious and successful hospitality brands with theirs. Cheers, and enjoy the rest of the episode. So, other stuff with Excellent then, 
you find a site, are there branding restrictions? Someone hands you a big book that says this is what Eggslot looks like? or Kind of. It's yeah. not a big book. Uh-huh. It's it's uh, um, with a brand like Eggslot where it, it, you're still working with the founders or mm-hmm. at least um, are, you know the, the owners of the business. <clears throat> a Burger King or a larger brand, you're going to be working with the system. Yeah. Um, and so um, you get... And in, in th- this is where it's interesting. This is where you can put your signature in, uh, mm-hmm. in on it. Um, and this is where you can kind of have some influence on the look and the feel. When, when a brand is only, as small as Egg Slut, yeah. right, you, you do have that ability to shape that. Um, uh, and it's minor, right? Mm. It, I, could, I can walk in and tell you the subtle differences. Um, and again, this goes to the vision of our, of our, of our chairman, Mohammed. He's got, he, he saw exactly what he wanted to see. It's one of the reasons why we, one of the couple of publications here in the UK mentions we're the most Instagrammable restaurant. Um, I would say that, you know, there, there's some restaurants that argue with us. Mm-hmm. Uh, admittedly, they, they've got a right to argue because you, you know, Annabelle's or some of these other crazy places, yeah. they, they go over the top with the look and feel yeah. and, and, um, <clears throat> the public can get a nail them. Right, right. But true. The public <laughs> can't get in there. Um, but they can walk by and they certainly can take a selfie yeah, on their true, beautiful true, true. outside of this, these, yeah, yeah. this, this place. And so there's some, some touches, some subtle touches that we were able to influence, mm-hmm. um, I'll give you a prime example of a way to actually, we've had a massive, kind of a major impact on the brand, mm-hmm. is um, the brand at LA, at any of the locations in LA, serves drip coffee, cold brew, Coke, and orange juice, mm-hmm. and water. We said, we need a, an espresso machine. Dri- drip coffee's tough, yeah. We, we, we um, need a, people are going to come in and they're going to want their flat white, yep. and they're going to want their... Um, they're, they're going to want that cappuccino or that espresso or whatever it is. It's, it, it's just, and if you're not going to get that, yeah. A, we're going to leave money on the table, but also what we open the door to is people are going to go, nah, they don't have coffee. They don't, ha- I can't get a flat white there. And again, much to Jeff Vales, in this case, credit and Jaime, his head of operations, they said, yes, but, um, they didn't want coffee to be a centerpiece. Mm-hmm. They wanted it to be an addition to the to the to the brand. Uh, to Jaime's credit, he tried every single sandwich with every single coffee that we make. To Nude Espresso, who is the supplier of the coffee that we oh, get, is it Nude? Yeah, yeah. Nude's very nice. Yeah. Um, and again, we are focused. Uh, it's another side. We are focused on getting local suppliers mm-hmm. and 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 empowering them and and, and speaking about them. Yeah. Um, and connecting with them. Um, and so. That kind of localness, mm-hmm. right? That 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 wow, curated. Because bottom line, it's a quick service restaurant. Mm-hmm. You're going in there and you're going to get your sandwich if things are running properly in six to eight minutes. Uh-huh. If it's not too long of a queue, because everything is cooked to order, cooked fresh. Um, and so, how do you then charge the price point? Do we charge? How do you justify the whole entire experience? Yeah. <clears throat> And if you really understand food, you're going to go, I get it. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, it feels like it's on the tick list for a lot of people, especially foodies, to go there and almost regardless of the food, get that shot. Right. You know, but what's even better is, you know, the big good food after it. I mean, just one of the last things in Excellent, because I want to talk about halal guys and the other stuff you're doing as well. But what about the marketing side of things then? So we met 
through Eric from Vayner. Yeah. And Eric very kindly put us in touch and you were on the search to try and sort this out. I mean, where did you even start, you know, thinking about marketing, you know, and then the tough things are you're only one site, so there's not a lot of budget, there's not a lot of people. So it, 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 this this is a tie-in to the Halal Guys. Mm-hmm. Um, we, um, for X, so we had a lot of lessons learned from the Halal Guys um, and how, and, and, and again, how we had to approach the the marketing side of it is completely different from both brands. But as a result, we had some lessons learned. We had some lessons learned from from Jeff and, and certainly um, the team at Eggslut who said, well, that's not how we do it. And it was interesting. Jeff kept kept using this word deliberate. Mm-hmm. All of that, all of the, that 170,000 followers they have right now is all um, organic. Mm-hmm. They have, none of it's paid. It's just they put up a site. Um, it was initially um, Jeff and a lot of it was Alvin just taking a picture of the food and then posting it. Yep. And so the, only, the, the one thing that we did that was deliberate mm-hmm. is I said, I need to be able to post on directly onto the Egg Slut US page uh-huh. because they had at that time 10,000 followers that were in London. Right. And so back to branding, back to brand awareness, back to, I wanted to tap into that. Yeah. I think having one global or at least one country page is the right thing. You know, certainly for Instagram, there's a lot of brands out there that have got 20, 30, 40, 50 different Instagram Stupid pages. Stupid possible. It's hard, you know. I think there was a little trend before because people were doing it that way for Facebook because then you know, yourself, different parts of the country might have different offers, different pricing, different... So they were doing it from an ops practical level, which was, well, we can't get that offer out if we're only running it in Glasgow. Right. I understand, but I think, yeah, you've got to just have one glorious page. Well, the you know? the, the point, and, and I can see why back... Originally, the whole entire idea, right, of, 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 um, of Instagram to a certain degree was, or Facebook, yeah. right, really where this kind of all spawned from is this is my network of friends. Yep. And so you immediately think of a very local, localized level. And so this concept of a global branding and the power of global branding, having 170,000 followers, there, 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 there's money in them in there, right? <laughs> what were you going to say? In money in them, their hills. Oh, yeah, they have their hills. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There, there's there, 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 meaning that can be monetized or that can be leveraged or that can be used and that can be. So if all of a sudden I was to say to someone, I have 170,000 followers, I'm going to blast out your, I'm going to tag you in there. Mm. That's all of a sudden going to give that person a lift. And yeah. now how they align with the brand and all that other stuff is, is how much of that lift is going to happen. Um, and so that's why I said I need to tap into and um, convincing Jeff uh, uh, to do that was not easy. He appreciated it, mm-hmm. but it eventually happened. Now we don't do that anymore. Yeah. But we were able to tie into back to this exact point that you just made. It was one page. Yeah. It was one and <clears throat> one page worth seeing. Yeah. And so all of a sudden that then spawned mm-hmm. and people started to buy into, um, into the, into our brand. Mm-hmm. Um, we didn't, Again, 
we didn't do anything to promote we didn't no paid advertising no nothing um uh no sponsorships on on egg slut and then also to credit we were invited to taste of london mm -hmm. and the impact was epic yeah so Ta you took a stall there took a stall to taste uh -huh. of london um the wait was typically the wait was anywhere between 30 and 90 minutes we had a line from the beginning of every session to the end of every session. We were the only <laughs> stall in the entire place that had a line from the beginning of every session to the end of every session. Nice um, we were the darlings of the event to a certain degree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I, Taste of London would tell you that. Taste yeah. of London would tell you that so much that they're saying, come back, come back, come yeah, back yeah. for next year. Um, again, that's... I'm, I now sit on the board of the company. Uh, my partner Jan is running the day-to-day -day operations mm -hmm. and we're discussions with them on whether that's going to happen or not. I don't know. Yeah. Um, I'm normally told, yeah, we're going to do this. Oh yeah. By the way, can you be there? Or yeah, we're going to do this. Yeah. You don't need to be involved. Yeah. Um, so that's a great success though. Yeah. So, it, so how we, and we also partnered with Halpern PR Halpern. Mm -hmm. You're going to start to see a little bit of a trend. They're the people that were behind five guys. Yeah. They are now behind. They're they're working closely with Google. They were they helped launch by Chloe. Um, They've got a great name. Yeah, um, I've came across them over the years. Um, I, th I think I remember I was either in a room with them or I saw a presentation from them or anyway something that just made me go, yeah, those guys are decent, you know, because a lot of PR really isn't. <laughs> so um, I, I just was hugely impressed by them, but they felt bigger than hospitality in a lot of ways so hence the google thing right. makes sense where you go these guys are the real deal they gave us a presentation that stopped the three of us cold oh, wow we, what, what was in we, it what, what it, it was on? just they uh, they immediately understood and were able to explain back to us the ethos of the brand right the power of the brand mm -hmm. which is can you sum it up um well there's a uh, the the a um, a one side of it is FOMOtion, the fear of missing out, the mm -hmm. emotion that you get when the fear of missing out, this whole entire this, FOMOtion. This and so we use wow. a lot of the hashtag hashtag FOMOtion yeah. is one of our one of our tracking tags. Um, the that power of that brand, mm -hmm. um, tapping into that power of the brand, tapping into the quirkiness of the name, but not don't go there. Not not yeah. going over there. It was interesting to be sitting there with um, with Jan, Mohammed, and myself, and these uh, five women, and all of a sudden start to talk about not talking about various terms not to use the elephant in the room as well certainly. right yeah, yeah and yeah. and to be also there talking you know the concern and association with what's happening in the me too movement sure. right the, this 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 whole entire co concept of of degrading yeah um and and then ha but how to make it work mm. right and it, and so all of that all came together where it was kind of perfect stormish yeah in in it it absolutely um and i think that i think we, we had a very successful opening when we opened we had a very successful vip event we had a very successful first day um and i think that when we open our second location our third location our 10th mm -hmm. location it's only going to grow bigger yeah i think if if we went to an event like taste of london and did the same offering um it would only be bigger yeah and it's not it, it it again it's because back to Alvin 
the very simple ingredients, <clears throat> high quality, executed at, at a very high level, mm. in a timely fashion, um, really resonates yeah. with people. Well, I mean, it's just funny you were saying about the bread story. I mean, the first or second episode of last series of, of the podcast interviewed Zan at Bleaker Burger. Right. Similar thing. Two years to get the bun right. right. Two years. You know, and I think she found it in the oddest of places, some Iranian bread or Iranian bakery, that it wasn't a burger bun, but she worked with them to make it a burger. I can't remember exactly, but yeah. So I think that attention to detail, and funnily enough, um, I've done another episode lately, and it was with my, the guy that sort of superseded me at, at Pret, you know, and he was just going on about, you know, quality, quality, quality. And people try to market their way out of it. But if you start with something that's a quality brand, quality products, you know, and you're using the Clarence Corp. Clarence Corp, you for brown I mean, eggs. Geez. Finest eggs in the freaking world. Yeah. And when you're, when you're doing that and you will never compromise on that, that's where you'll win, which, you, which you, you know, something to be... Because if it was any old egg... Yeah, and it, it's there's a trade-off there, yeah. right? We we do one of the first things, and this is a common thing with Egg Slut, is we get a lot of comments about our price, price point, um, being expensive. People don't understand that how much that bun costs, how much that egg costs, mm. um, how much the fact that we have culinary trained chefs on staff, yeah. our kitchen manager, our head of operations, that level of hiring and getting the right people and having that level of attention to detail yeah. and having that... It it costs something, right? Mm -hmm. And and it's it's a methodology that you have to continue to ingrain and continue to train. Yeah. Um, that and it, there is that trade off, right? That um, you can go and you can get an egg sandwich someplace else for cheaper. Yeah. <clears throat> but I can tell you, it's not going to have the same quality. It's not going to have the same attention to detail. Yeah. It's going to be cooked in a microwave. It's going to be. Uh, it's not the same experience, right? Total, exactly. You know, and be better to have one of those one a week than, you know, sort of just eat crap all the time for, right. for value status. You know, um, so just thinking about the halal guys, then so great name seems kind of fun already. I mean, what was the kind of origins of that? So um, it actually all started through Dan Rowe. Um, so Dan, I had France Smart Europe. Dan had said to me. <clears throat> Um, I'm signing up this brand. Mm -hmm. I'm going to onboard this brand. It's going to be epic. And he kept, I was like, who is it? Who is it? Who is it? He finally told me, he goes, it's the Halal guys. Mm -hmm. And I'm sitting in Germany. And for people that don't know, Germany is the home of the original donor kebab. Yep. It's not Turkey. It's Mustafa's up in Berlin. Mm -hmm. um, and so automatically he's like, and, and he said, you know, it's a kebab, similar to kebab that you might get in Germany. I said, oh, I live in this little hamlet of Stuttgart, Germany, and there's nine kebab shops. <laughs> and I said, yeah, this is not going to fly. This is not going to fly. Then I tried it. Epic. Mm. The white sauce. Is that like garlic? It's a garlic mayonnaise? mayo secret yeah. recipe yeah, yeah. type sauce. The marinade of the chicken, how the chicken is cooked, cooked on a flat top grill, chopped up. Um, how the beef gyros, it's cut from the cone, and then it's about cooked about 80%, and then it's finished off on the top, flap top grill, chopped up, um, served with a traditional platter, which is mm -hmm. which is rice. Again, the Besmonti rice has a secret 
um, secret seasoning to it. Um, the the beef gyro is secret ha- has a secret seasoning to it. Um, it's all very much that kind of um, uh, all the ingredients coming together to create this experience. Yeah. <clears throat> and that white sauce is epic. And then you try the ridiculously hot hot sauce, 150,000 on the Scoville scale, um, uh, which I, I get, I get a dot. Oh yeah. I get a dot of it. Right. Cause if I, if I don't, I'm the meals, it's too um, hot for me. And, and so it was the combination of all those flavors and the way that it's served. Mm-hmm. It all started to this day. There's 53rd and 6th. There's a effectively three food trucks, 53rd and 6th on one corner, 53rd and 6th on another, and 53rd and 7th is, um, at, it, that's where it all started. And yeah. it's it originally started as a regular platter, which we now have a regular and a small. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also have, uh, um, you can also get a sandwich. People call it a wrap right yep. here. Mm-hmm. Um and it's that white sauce, and you, it's it, it's just amazing. And it's all that food brought together, and it's that New York vibe. Yeah. Um, I don't I don't think there's enough things out there that are truly iconic through taste at that level, right? So, you know, if you look at you know Nando's or Wagamama, there's something in it right. that just makes you crave it. Right. And if you can have an amazing brand and good ingredients and great service, and it's all great. If you've got something that tastes truly iconic, just tastes so different from anything else, and people right. love it, man, it's jackpot, isn't it? And that's that. That's that. You just summed up the halal guys. That's great. And also that story. Yeah. A food cart started by three Egyptian um, immigrants to the U.S. Uh, to this day, it's it's run predominantly as a family business, mm-hmm. and I, I don't family businesses in New York can be massive entities. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> which might not be appreciated to everybody outside the New York, greater New York City area. And and so these three guys started serving and initially served to Muslim cab drivers because at the time you could either get a hot dog or a pretzel. Yeah. And if you're a Muslim cab driver, you're eating a lot of pretzels. Yeah, yeah. And so that's that's where the iconic yellow, because of the yellow cabs. Um, today you walk into New York City, any street cart has a yellow and red, yellow and red um, umbrella why? Because of the halal guys. Yeah. It's the number one Yelped business in New York City. Is it really? So it started in 1990. So there's a legacy there, right? There's some time there. Um, and then it just has such an iconic story. And then inevitably what happened is the cabbie had people in the back of their cab and these people were starving and they'd hear, they'd smell, or they'd see the cabbie pull up. I'm going to just grab my meal. And to this day, your cabbie, you can pull up to the cart, roll your window down, shout your order, and they'll walk out and hand it to you. Um, and so all of a sudden, this this then started this trend. Yeah. And so now you get this completely incredibly diverse people that show up in this line, the home of the never-ending line. Yeah. Um, and that's the story of the brand. And that's the power of the brand. From Supersonic Inc., this is the Mark McSee Supersonic Marketing Podcast. Today's podcast is also brought to you by Forth. Forth is the leading hospitality workforce, inventory, and analytics provider. Forth effectively manages your employee's journey using its integrated workforce management system. Forth also improves your organizational efficiency by streamlining and managing all of your purchasing and inventory. 
and Forth Analytics gives you instant insight to make better business decisions all from your phone, tablet or your computer. Transform your hospitality business today. Go to forth.com now. And what about, um, you know, just, just in terms of the the sort of delivery and all these types of things, what what's going on with delivery? Are you a fan of delivery? Um, I'm not a fan of, oh, I am a fan of delivery because uh-huh. um, we'll talk to, the next thing we'll probably talk about is you're going to see how the delivery touches a little bit. Yeah. Um, I had a little bit of an issue with delivery that came up with Uber Eats. Mm-hmm. Effectively, it's it's a disconnect. I appreciate why Uber Eats does this. I applaud them for doing it. Delivery does the same thing. So does Just Eats. Mm-hmm. They said you need to have a, a certain hygiene score, right? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Full advocate f- for that. However, I'm a huge advocate for small business. I've been involved in small businesses my entire life. Owning them, advising them, building them. And so... What happened at the Halal Guys is we got delisted Mm -hmm. from Uber Eats because we hadn't had the health inspector come in yet. Well, we don't, you can call, the health inspector shows up within your first six months of opening and they don't call and say, I'm showing up tomorrow. They don't call to schedule it. They don't call, we're showing up this week. They they give you no hint of it. Mm -hmm. But because at that point we'd been open two, three months, Mm -hmm. Um, Uber Eats initially listed us and then they took us down. And I said, whoa, 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 wait a minute. We haven't given you any reason. Yeah. We have a decent score. We had a decent review score from the from the few orders at that point because we were still relatively new yeah. on, on the platform. And then by the next Friday, they delisted us. And that's when I was like, uh-uh. Yeah. This doesn't fly. It, and it, again, it's the bureaucracy and I appreciate the bureaucracy. I appreciate that. Yeah, it's just a machine, isn't it? It's just yes, a no. Yeah. And, and, and I do appreciate what Uber Eats was trying to do, but there was a disconnect within the process and the system. Mm-hmm. At that point, delivery was making, and delivery can make anywhere between, heck, in this town, it can sometimes make as much as 50% of your business yeah, yeah. if it's raining out and miserable out, but and somebody doesn't want, somebody mark. doesn't want to go out, <laughs> but they've got a hankering for your food. Yeah. Um, but at that time it was making up 10, 15% of our business. Mm-hmm. Um, and all of a sudden to have that shut off, even though that's, it, it's additional expense to us because Uber Eats just charge a fee. Yeah. Um, but it's a love hate relationship, right? Um, are you back on them now? Oh yeah. We were, we were on them, um, delivery as well. 24 hours later. Um, they, they turned us back on 24 hours later. Yeah. They apologized. Well, it's not a ding at the council. It's not a ding at Uber Eats. It's a ding at the system. You weren't recognizing and you were putting my business at risk. Yep. So yeah, we're on, uh, we're on Uber Eats. We're on Deliveroo. We just launched on Just Eats. Mm-hmm. Um, um, my, I, I, I have a bias towards Deliveroo, and I'm not a hundred percent sure why. I think that a there's a perception because there's the the whole Uber issue here in London, mm. right? That that making the press, which is just, I just, big organizations yelling at each other through the press, mm-hmm. right? Um, and uh, and again, it, 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 it's an unfair bias, right, to Uber Eats. It, it puts, because Uber Eats does a really good job. Yep. Um, and um, I don't, I'm not really familiar with Just Eats, but I just have a bias towards Deliveroo. And I think it's because they're a little bit more food-centric. Yeah. That's where they started. Yeah. Where Uber, it was kind of like, oh, 
We can. It's an add-on. It's an add-on to yeah. a bit to a business model. Yeah, I mean, it's changed now, but I mean, back in the day, Just Eat was mainly um, just an aggregator that then they right. used the you know the restaurant used its own delivery. It was just a platform. Deliveroo, it's so interesting. I think it's just such a good app. You know the. It, it's is it's up there with your Spotify's. You know, it makes your life better because you know when something's coming. You know where they are on the map. You you know it's all that stuff. Whereas Justy doesn't really have that. It, it it tells you it's going to be an hour, and so you plan round that, and all of a sudden you've got it in twenty minutes, and you're like, uh, oh, right, and you don't know where the drive or they text you just before. It's just not as trust. It's just not as trustworthy. The wrong word. It's just not as intuitive as delivery is. Mm-hmm. So that that that's the big issue, I think. So just so, on, on that, that point, yeah. How about seeing the delivery uh-huh. of the coffee industry? Right. Coffee app C O F E stands for coffee ordering fast and efficient. Okay. It is. <clears throat> well, you've, is, you've got this. This is you, this is you. This is my other project. Oh. So this isn't good for radio, by the way. I'm getting. Sure I know, of one, but we, we, we'll show. So this is it. it's it's uh, it's a simple app. Uh-huh. <clears throat> Recently, um, was listed as a uh, as the um, as the delivery for coffee. Interesting. And so what it is, it's a coffee marketplace, and so I call this the great equalizer. Uh huh. As as I'm showing you here for your audience, I'm yeah, showing so, the app. So in front of me, I've got um, top-down shots of coffees in China mugs. So you've got McCaffey's there. One that's a that's a. That, so I'm showing you right now. One Kuwait. I can't read. Uh, Caribou. So what it is is so Costa. So you're what you're seeing right now is that this is I just faked the app out saying that you're in Kuwait. Uh huh. Because we launched in Kuwait. It was founded by five coffee lovers. Um. Envisioned and developed in Kuwait, uh-huh. and the idea is to be able to order, order your coffee. Mm-hmm. So you go in, you can order your coffee, you pick the location. Um, then, as you can see, very kind of cool, very slick, well designed. There's a loyalty program or a rewards program that's yeah. associated with it. So at the top of the page on delivery, where you normally have the maybe the restaurant logo or a picture of food, there's like cool, cool graphics. graphics. We, we do we video. do a, a, do a full video of the restaurant of the coffee shop. Yep. Um, including the logo, and then um, and then you can go in and you order your coffee. So this is delivery and pickup. Right now, it's just it's delivery and pickup in Kuwait, uh-huh. in Saudi, and in the UAE. Uh-huh. We're launching here in London. Um, we've got two hundred thousand users that are using this app mm-hmm. right now. We're doing about a thousand transactions on this app today, and so we're bringing it to the UK and bringing it to that London. Sounds great. And what about? The travelability of hot drinks. That's always a challenge mm-hmm. to a certain degree. Um, that's why right now on the app, we're, we're, it's a predominantly click and collect or counter service. Yeah. So somebody can pre-order, saying way. skip the queue, whatever you want to call it. Um, if a coffee shop says, we'll deliver, we'll, we will handle the delivery ourselves, whether yeah. that delivery is to an office space. So I'll give you an idea. In Kuwait, we're in a couple of hospitals. Uh-huh. In the base of the hospital are a couple of our coffee shops that are on the app. They agree to deliver it to somebody's room in the hospital. Wow. We're in two loca- – and the, on the other side of security where all the gates are at the airport in Kuwait, where we've got two coffee shops. 
you can order and you say, I'm at gate 15 and somebody in the, the, the coffee shop then sends somebody to deliver it to you at gate 15. Right. So, uh, and then also we've got the ability to deliver it to your car. So mm-hmm. if you're sitting out on the corner and you say, I'm in car, I'm in a BMW, whatever this registration number, if the coffee shop wants to hand, is willing to do that, walk out and do a hand delivery to you. Um, was there anything else you were working on then? I'm... So, the, and the, the other side of it is, um, I do advise some very cool brands. Mm-hmm. Um, one of them is the Orange Buffalo at the Old, Old Truman Brewery. Oh, man. Oh, I love them. So basically, in Brighton, I live in Brighton. Okay. I and they you used were, to go to the Joker. They used to go to the Joker, and Lost Boys are doing a fine job. Don't get me wrong; that are in there now. Oh man, I loved Orange Buffalo. I was so sad when they went. Yeah. So got to come back, like <laughs> into Brighton somewhere. And and I've I've uh, I've done the show. I've had the show touch once as well. Then uh, yeah, Truman Brewery, Old Truman yeah, Brewery. Yeah, yeah. They're at the Hoxton Colors. Oh, Similar to what they're doing at uh, at um, the Joker, right? Yep. We take over the ki- the kitchen, the residency. Yeah, yeah. We're in talks with a couple of other pub operators here in London to do the same thing. How did you get to know them? Uh, the Buffalo Challenge. Oh, so, okay. and what I mean is my own personal thing. Uh-huh. <clears throat> so you heard earlier Buffalo, New York, the home of the Buffalo Wing. That's where yep. my mom was born. Uh, I'm from Syracuse, who's a couple hours down the road, down the highway. Um, so I've been around Buffalo Wings my entire life absolutely huge fanatic of them and back um a while back i i'm constantly looking at brands to help yeah and i saw this buffalo wing place and top rated they won the the wing fest here in, yes. the, in the uk and i said yeah Whatever. okay yeah, yeah sure uh-huh <laughs> these are real buffalo wings yeah this is going to be barbecue sauce it's going to taste it's not going to taste like anything like a buffalo wing and then so i met with mike and nick the owners, founders, uh-huh. and they're and I and they're like, yeah, you got to try it. And they weren't. I said, give me your original sauce. They original. And I said, okay, you use Frank's hot sauce. He goes, nope. Everything is our own secret recipe. I went, oh, this is gonna, this is going to be horrible. Uh-huh. Tried it. It's it absolutely good. epic. Very good. Well, when was it? Was the original one called? What was the original one called again? So they 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 have the original. That Did it not have a name though, or was it just original? Just the original. Oh. And then they have the Woof Woof, which is their slightly the woof woof. Yeah. slightly spicier. Then they have the um, Vincent Park. Mango. Vincent Mango. Wait, is that the kind of that's that's a little bit spicier? Is it right? Okay. Then they have a then they have K Town, which is kind of like a like a, a, a homage to the Korean taste, right? Uh-huh. Really cool. And then they have the Viper, Viper sauce. sauce. My friend had that so with Tobin. We went out. We kind of tried to do this thing called Meat Monthly, which was, you know, M-E-A-T, ho-ho, uh, for dads. So, like, we, you know, only four or five of us went out at a time. And anyway, it says, right, Joker, Orange Buffalo, brilliant. And Tobin had the snake in a basket. Right. Which, for anyone that doesn't know, it's one viper wing hidden within... Within, within, within the know, sauce of your choice. And he was kind of having it going, oh, yeah, that one was quite... Maybe that was it. Maybe that was it. Got to the last one, and, and that was it. And the the ladies, you know, women behind the bar were just pissing themselves laughing because oh, yeah. he was in bits for about 20 minutes. And, and like, they get had, you know, they give you milk. Like, they knew it was happening. Like, all the chefs were coming out. Like, I think it doesn't happen... Often, often, you know, they are. Right. I think people play it a bit safe, but Tobin was in bits. Yeah. So they have the Viper Challenge, right? We talk about <sighs> Vanner Media. Vanner Media here, 
They invited us in. Oh, is that what they did? And uh, and so they did. The, and the Viper challenge is eight wings in as fast as you can eat them. Eight, eight vipers. Eight vipers as fast <sighs> as you can eat them. Okay, then you have to wait for two minutes. You have to the settling in period. And so whoever eats them as fast as possible, right, gets, and if they win, then they get their name up on a board, right? So the fastest person right now is a gravestone. Like, like, like <laughs> I think it's one minute, 30 seconds or one minute, 20 seconds. For eight. For eight. That's good going. I, if, just the sheer speed of consumption, right? I'm not talking like no. the, the hot sauce That part. would wreck you, yeah. Right. I, I don't, I don't know how you could eat wings that fast. No. Well, somebody did. Ashley. Now I appreciate Ashley could be a boy or a girl. So, um, I would tend to think it's a female because females have a better tolerance, as I've learned, for hot and spicy food okay. than males. I don't know why. I can't, I, it's unscientific, so yeah, don't, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, anybody listening to this is going to come back and be like, no. to pain, maybe? I don't uh, know. Yeah. But, yeah, so, Jesus. very, yeah. Oh, they're good guys, and you must say hello. I don't know them at all, but I just love them. So, like, genuinely, I'm a massive fan of that well we need to go out brand. and get some wings at some point yeah yeah I'd do it I'd do it any, any time I'd, and it's no no pain to be in Shoreditch at all of being that area so the last couple of things I'm going to ask you because I was thinking about your, your time as well we've been kicked out of here soon as well um, was a little thing we do called mark out of 10 so we just talk about we don't really do marks but talk about some good things and maybe some not so good things in, in the restaurant industry but you're very well travelled uh, so you might be well placed to answer some of these. So, best city to eat in? My answer, mm-hmm. 20 years ago, I guess even 30 years ago, dating myself, would automatically, hands down, be New York City. Mm-hmm. Full Not stop. so much. London. It keeps coming up, you know? It's the, in, in, that, in that period of time... In, 30 years ago, when I came here with my girlfriend, she was uh, doing a study abroad program here one semester, um, and the food was okay. Mm-hmm. I think because of the EU, mm-hmm. <laughs> because the, the, it, it's allowed some really um, dormant um, restaurateurs mm-hmm. in other parts of the world other parts of the EU that couldn't come, they didn't have an outlet. Yeah. They had an outlet and they had an accepting outlet. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, in, in London's a challenge anyone to find a more diverse country or more diverse city in the world. Yeah. It's a great outlet. Yeah. That has been one of the positive things that happened because of the EU, yeah. right? I appreciate Brexit's happened. It's happened. We can cheer, cry, whichever. But that's just one of the things. So yeah. I would say London. Yeah. And best restaurant, have you got a restaurant that you hold really dear? Ooh, that's tough. That is really tough. You know, if you were going for a special meal or that taste in your mouth, if you think about it, or what was the place that just blew your socks off? Well, the place that blew my socks off was Le Beckfin in in Philadelphia. Okay. It was at one point the number one restaurant in the world. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, For that special occasion... But um, I've had some epic fine dining experiences, Mm -hmm. but there are, um, I like going places where you get great food at the right price Mm -hmm. and it's just a relaxed, the the problem with sometimes going into the fine dining establishment, it's not really relaxed. No. No. Right? It's, it's... um, It's A little bit of pressure sometimes. Yeah. But recently, I think that my family go to now I have a young family so um, 
our go-to, and much to his credit, to Charlie Carroll's credit, is is flat iron steak. Uh huh. It's a great steak at a great price. Yeah. It's it's uh, it comes out quick. Um, they let you linger, right? Yeah. There's not a pressure. Mm-hmm. You know, certainly I would look to if I had had some go-to's. If we were in the states, I'd immediately say the Palm. Mm-hmm. I, I'm a big steak guy, right? Yeah, so yeah. Um, it used to be that I'd go to the Palm two or three times a week. Nice. Um, when I lived in Washington D.C. So, but right now I think that's again. I'm also, like I said, a family man, and kind of yeah. focus on that. How do I get a family in there? Yeah, yeah, nice. Best dish is it? Is it steak? Is that the one or? Oh, best dish. Oh, what is this? I can't think of the pizza place on Bleecker Street in uh, New York City. Uh huh. But it's pizza. It's it's like it, pizza done right. Pizza done thin crust, New York style. Yeah. Um, I struggle to say that i've really found that yet here mm-hmm. pizza pilgrims does a good job i think i it's think it's not thin thin though is it slightly it, different it, it's a little yeah. it's a little um pizza pilgrims great uh high chinato high Sinato, jason atherton's pizza place oh, that, okay. that's the nicest crust i've ever tasted pizza pilgrims is yeah wonderful but yeah that thin it's thin crust is that is mod pizza Thin my, crust. My, my pizza is a thin crust, but it's a um, but it's a crispy crust. You're right. So this is thin and this sloppy. is this right. This is thin, this is traditionally um, wood fire baked. Yeah. Right. But, Mal- the, but does it have that big crust around the outside? Yeah, it, oh, it still has that. Okay, so it's more it, like Neapolitan. Yeah, 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 it's yeah, absolutely right. Neapolitan oh, pizza. Pizza programs would be, would be yeah, right so, yeah, yeah. So um, Monkey Ivoda in Warsaw is this fantastic Italian pizza place mm-hmm. that I love. Um, that would kind of be my go-to. Yeah, yeah. Um, <clears throat> steak. I love a great steak, but who have you checked out here? From from steaks. A, steaks. Um, most of the time, cooking at home. Oh, you I do have. I, There's I, a few here. I do have the. You know. Yeah. I do have the benefit of occasionally getting some really good quality steaks from some of our suppliers. Uh huh. And um, and I and and I do like to cook at home. Yeah. Go-to drink. What's the go-to? If Go-to drink a- is a, uh, it's, um, if it's a cocktail, I'm traditionally going a Hendrix and tonic with uh-huh. cucumber and freshly cracked pepper on top. Oh, pepper's um, in addition. And, and you've got to have, um, you've got to have good gin. So it's got to be Fever Tree or, um, Thomas Henry or somebody. You can't, you can't. The tonic side of things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, or the other is uh, Monkey 47 with, oh, I've heard of that. um, yeah, yeah. uh, out of the Black Forest of Germany mm-hmm. with, uh, with again a good a good tonic and um, and and grapefruit peel, nice, really nice. Yeah. yeah so um, that would be my go-to. The other go-to would be good red wine. Yeah, yeah. I just don't yeah, red wine. I, I don't. I don't. Um, I, day doesn't feel complete to me unless I have a nice glass of red wine. What was it? Yeah. <laughs> and of course there is the God's nectar of them all, Guinness. Oh yeah. Yeah, I was just in Dublin a couple of weeks ago, so I had a little wander around and get into some old pubs, which had been thoroughly recommended. So yeah, right. that was good. It was good fun. Okay, well, listen, mister, we better get out of here. Um, it's been so good to spend time with it's you. It's been really cool. Um, Thank you. Yeah, just from the get-go, like as soon as you came in, it was just this ball of energy. So I think, you know, we've learned a lot through this as well about, you know, franchising and <clears throat> Also, what the positives are, because it is an odd market here that, you know, a lot of people stay away from it. And when it's great it, it, and you've got an amazing partner, 
it can be wonderful and to have your brand globalized right i think is a really really exciting thing to to, to happen so and lots of brands out there deserve it so yeah they do cool Thanks so much. Thank Enjoy you. Enjoy your I, Tottenham huge. stuff. <laughs> I'm incredibly grateful for this opportunity. I really appreciate oh, it. Bless you. For every, your, everybody listening to my story. Uh, I'd love to hear more stories from other people as yeah. well. So Great. Thanks, Whitney. Thanks. Cheers, man. Yeah. So there you go. I hope you enjoyed that episode. Thank you so much to our headline partners, Engage Interactive from Leeds. They, to me, are the best web agency around of launched a couple of very successful projects with them and they're really worth talking to if you need anything doing from the social side website seo ppc crm apps they're really the guys to talk to working with amazing brands like arc inspirations taylor's yorkshire tea all different things so definitely try and talk to engage if you can Huge thanks also to our premium partner, BDO, who've supported us all the way since Series 1. If you've got any accounting queries, mergers and acquisitions advice, growth of your business advice, do give them a call. Thanks also to you for listening, sharing, rating and reviewing as usual. Really appreciate it. And thanks to everyone who's stuck with us since Series 1 and is continuing to spread the good word about Series 2. Thanks to Gaz and Gabby for all of their hard work in putting the podcast together. I know it's a rush most weeks, but I really, really appreciate all that you're doing. So this is me, Mark McSee, signing off. Bless you for listening. Thank you for taking the time to check me out and check out the podcast. I really hope that this episode, more than ever, has helped you gain some real value and insight that will help your brand boom. Boom.